Hey, welcome to Rewind, a place where old guys can talk. Well, here we are again, uh, Rewind, Dwight and Jeff, we're brothers, and uh, we're going to ask Jeff some questions, which are always interesting. So I was going to ask you, um, what was the hardest work job you can remember doing? The hardest work job? Mm-hmm. The hardest job? I think it was. I think it was when um, I was on a mission trip down in Guatemala, uh-huh. and um, down there they do things pretty much by hand. Okay. And I can remember having to carry uh, sandbags across a orphanage compound about a quarter of a mile. Oh wow! Was it uh, was it flooding 50, down there? Fifty. Huh? Was it flooding down there? No, 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 no. They were were they were um, they were putting enough houses on an orphanage, and so they were making cement. They don't have cement mixers; they make it make it by hand. So they have this big warehouse full of sand and material to make the cement. So <clears throat> where they were building the house, we had to carry the, the stand bags from one end of the compound to the other. I, I didn't realize and that you... about killed me. That about killed me. I didn't realize you spoke Spanish. I only know a few words, Dwight. You want to hear them? I don't know if I want to hear them or not. Uh, go ahead. What are they? <laughs> Agua. <laughs> oh, that's water. Baño. No, what's that? Bathroom. <laughs> okay. That's important, right? Oh, yeah. And cerveza, which is beer. I see. So uh, yeah. I don't know which comes that's, first. That's the about beer, all I know. The beer, the bathroom, or the uh, or the water, probably all uh-huh. three. So uh, right. my next question is, um, who, not necessarily, don't name them, but tell me about the worst boss you ever had. Well, I think the worst boss I ever had was a guy that stole from me. Really? And, um, yeah, I worked, I worked at the ground round years ago as the, the GM there, general manager. Uh, so that's a restaurant. And I had this that's district a rest- manager. That's a restaurant, a restaurant for, chain. for Yeah, it's no longer. Yeah. And, um. I had a district manager. He had uh, he had this elaborate horse farm, right? Uh-huh. And um, basically, he could not afford his horse farm on what he made. So a lot of things that he he needed for his horse farm, he would turn in the receipts to the main office, and then the main office would divvy up those receipts to each individual store, and then you would get charged on your profit and loss statement. For his horse farm. So it affected your performance. So, yeah, it affected my performance. Did you, did you turn him in? Did so you... this, yeah, I turned him in. <laughs> did yeah. he like, I bet he liked I that. I turned him in. Huh? I bet he liked that. Yeah, I, I think he rode his horse out of town after that. Uh-huh. Good enough for him. Yeah. So, was he from, I guess, was you he, know, he was pretty deceitful. Where was he from? He what was state? pretty deceitful. What state was he from? Uh, Minneapolis. He was from the Minneapolis area. Okay. So right. many, down there, he had a beautiful horse farm. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. So uh, he couldn't afford it. How about the best boss you ever had? Um, can you name that guy? I don't name him, but just describe what he was like. Maybe the you never had a boss. Best, I ever had. Maybe you never had a best boss. Well, you're struggling. I, I, I can't think of a best. <laughs> I can't think of a best boss really. Um, so you've been in slavery all these years, huh? Yeah, I've been in slavery all these years. Never had a good boss. Um, well, I guess I guess I did have one guy. Yeah, when I worked for uh, for a restaurant, 
Actually, I did, yeah. Um, he was a man of faith. Oh, really? He's, a, he's um, yeah. He, um, he was the district manager for a restaurant company up here. Uh-huh. And um, and he worked for a guy who owned the company. And this this guy that owned it, he was he was type A personality, pretty uh-huh. bossy. He was you know bossy and um, no empathy. He'd always go off, and I yeah, see. he'd always go off. And and this guy was always there to pick up the pieces for him. So okay, so he was so the, he, he was the he piece did a maker. pretty good job for that. And then uh, my he last used to tell me he used to, just one more thing. He used to, he used to tell me, he'd say, it's not, don't, don't focus on how he says it. Just focus on what he said. I see. That's how he survived. Which is true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's probably good advice. Um, so yeah. I know that you like animals, but uh, how did you develop your love for dogs? Well, being on the prairie, I guess, I didn't really have a lot of friends. Growing up in a town of 50 people. There wasn't that many. There was maybe and 20. Re- but go ahead. Was there? Fifty. I thought there was like twenty. Right. Well, I didn't actually, I didn't actually, I didn't actually count them. Okay. I was just estimating. So you're saying there's twenty? Well, maybe thirty, but there's not very many. No, no kids. So tell me about your dogs. Yeah, there's no kids there. Yeah. So there would always be stray dogs that would come through town. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I was always used to latch onto one if they'd come through town. And um, they were always car chasers, though, weren't they? Those stray dogs. Yeah, I had, um, this is probably the most homeless dog I ever, ever, ever remember having. Looked like a hyena. He was a mutt. But, he was a mutt, yeah. But I was really, you know, I love that dog. So, Did he follow you home but, from school? Sure. Yeah, he's always waiting for me at school and hanging out. And we'd hang out after school. And Did you name him? Buds. Did you name him? Yeah, you know, I can't remember. can't remember what his name was. To tell you probably the called him Mutt. Yeah, probably uh, Dwight Jr. or something uh-huh, like that. Right. right. Uh, but yeah, so I got a story about that dog. You want to hear it? Yeah, let's hear it. Oh, so I must have been like first or second grade when I had that dog, and um, I was coming home from Bismarck, North Dakota, with my mother, Marlis, mm-hmm. and we lived we lived right off the highway, right? And so we come into town. And right when you slow down to 20, 25 miles an hour was our house. Mm-hmm. Well, as we were coming into town, this particular dog of mine ran out onto the highway, and my mom ran over the dog. Oh, did she know that she ran over Yeah. It? Well, yeah, you heard a clunk. Uh-huh. Clunk, so, clunk, clunk, you know. Did he go under the, under the car that, or the tires go over him? What happened? No, just under the car. The tires didn't go over the dog. Oh, I see. So it wasn't squished or anything like that, but the dog was, we thought the dog was dead. So was he, or was, he was, was really hurt, really hurt. Was he, was he yelping was or was really he hurt? I was crying. I was crying, huh? Was he yelping or was he in a coma? I think he was in a coma. He might've been breathing, but he wasn't awake. I see. So he made the knocked out. And so my dad went and got the dog off the road. And he decided that he was going to put the dog out of its misery. Ah, uh-huh. sure. That's the because prairie, that's the prairie it way. Too, yeah, because he figured it was too hurt, you know, so don't make it suffer. So he didn't use a gun. He grabbed himself a big, uh, I think it was a pipe wrench or a big crescent wrench. <laughs> he was going to pull the dog's teeth? <laughs> no, 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 no. He, 
he was going to uh he what he did was he took the wrench and he smacked the dog in the middle of the head so he beamed him to kill it i see yeah he beamed it he just he just he wailed on the dog on the head and um to put it out of its misery Where did he and then him? what he did is he took then what he did is he he took the dog and he put it out in what's called the rock pile in the middle of the field oh i see out in the prairie you know, just to leave it there. You know, the dog is dead. Let it let it disintegrate. Let the let the let vultures, it disintegrate. Let the let the vultures get it. And the crows. In the meantime, yeah. In the meantime, I'm bawling. Right, that was my dog, and he tried to console me, but it took a few days. But anyway, I went back to school. I was probably first or second grade, and this must have been like three days later. Uh-huh. And school gets over with, and I come out of school and, and here's this dog waiting for me what yeah yeah You're... the dog that my dad's the dog that my dad supposedly killed uh-huh. and threw on the rock pile yeah yeah the dog was still alive <laughs> well that's a great story for Resur- yeah, but... that's a great story for resurrection sunday yeah this dog had a huge dent in its head you know really? but... was he was, yeah was he the same <laughs> after that yeah, yeah. He was he, happy to see me, waiting for me. He could play fetch? Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah. He wasn't slow or anything? No. Uh, I can remember this dog having puppies after that, too. But, really? Um, that is a miraculous yeah. recovery. Yeah. Crazy, isn't it? It is. Um, one last thing. Um, we went for a go-kart ride when we were kids living in Bismarck, North Dakota. We lived on a very steep hill. And I'll let you pick up the story from there. Well, if I remember right, we built this uh, so-called go-kart out of, like, plywood. I think it was, like, a four-by-eight sheet of plywood. And I think we had uh, we had made a uh, steering mechanism in the front with with some wheels. Where did we get the wheels? Off and a wagon? Had... Our wagon or something? Yeah, it was off a wagon. It was off a wagon, probably an old wagon. Uh-huh. And... Um, and then we tied a rope to it to, to help steer it, right? Kind of like... Uh, then on the back, I remember... Kind of like the reins on a pony, Kind of like right? what? Reins on a pony. Yeah. Like a, like a like bridle, that. yeah. Yeah. And you could... And we would uh, maneuver the steering with the rope and your feet on okay. the front. Uh-huh. So if you wanted to go left, you'd, you know, or if you wanted to go right, if you wanted to go straight. Yeah, I remember so working... a combination between your... Yeah. I remember and then working we had on in the back... And then on the back, I think we had... Those metal roller skates. <laughs> that was our wheels in the back. Yeah, to keep <laughs> to keep it going straight. I think that's what we had. Oh, and then and then I remember then I remember we had a front seat and a back seat. Uh-huh. So we had cut out a piece of the plywood. Yeah. And we put it down the middle. So um, we put a so stick. We put a stick like, on there for a break, didn't we? So we could drag the stick or something. Yeah. Yeah. So we have this thing built and. I wanted to show you how I could drive this go kart, and uh, I talked you into getting in the back seat. Now, how old were we? I was going to drive this. How old were we? I don't oh, remember. I bet you I was probably third or fourth grade. So okay, about nine or ten. Probably fourth grade. I was probably fourth grade. Nine years old, ten years old. So you're probably six, uh, maybe. Six, yeah, sixth grade. Yeah, and uh, so we get it out in the middle of the road on the hill, and we're going to go down the hill. Yeah. And um, that was that was dumb on my part so, to let you drive. Yeah, it was. So you're in the back seat, uh-huh. and I'm in the front seat. Yeah. I'm in control, uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. And I'm driving. Oh, boy. And down and down the hill we go. Woo. It started off pretty well. By the time we got to the bottom of the hill, there was cars on both sides of the road, uh, uh, parked cars on both sides of the road. Yeah. And I lost control of the steering, and I can remember going across into the other lane, and we went under the, we went <laughs> under the car. You drove us under a car. I drove us under the car, under the under the uh, driver's side of the car. I'm surprised we didn't. And get, I'm surprised I we think, didn't get killed. Well, it's lucky, I guess. Or somebody else, somebody was looking out for us. But I went under the car. It was like uh, all the way up to my waist. And, <laughs> what, uh, what happened to me? I just hit the side of the door like, just, a, like a tomato. You know how we have that uh, divider from the front seat to the back seat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you. Yeah, you broke right through the back seat, and you're into the front seat. <laughs> it's like right a, on top of me. That's that's like a that's like an F-15 uh, airplane crash. I right. didn't. I didn't. Oh, drive. you're mad. Oh, you're mad. So well, sure. neither of us got hurt, but our go kart days were over after that. And I can remember hauling that thing home, and you were you were letting me have it all the way back back to the house. I was probably speking French to you. Probably, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, you shouldn't have let me drive, and I can't believe you, I did that. And, was but, the, the go-kart was in pieces? You know, you, did we have to take the pieces home? Yeah, it was, it was, Yeah, we just drug it back home, and luckily we didn't hurt the car either. So, so, you know, our dad was pretty busy, so he didn't have time to enter us into the Pinewood, the Pinewood Derby and the Boy Scouts, so I guess we had to do it ourselves. That's right. I can imagine somebody watching us going down that hill. <laughs> I, bet, I bet your mom was thinking, "What are those two lunkheads doing now? What they do now? Did they did they break anything? You know, they're probably worried about the insurance." I'm sure. How much money is it going to cost us? Well, now that we've heard the dog story resurrected and the go kart story, the two boys resurrected. Um, let's. Let's read our scriptures for today. We're reading out of Isaiah chapter 26, 19 through 21. Uh, Take a listen to my computer robot read the scripture. Thy dead men shall live, together with my dead body shall they arise. Awake and sing, ye that dwell in dust, for thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Twenty come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee, hide thyself as it were for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. 21.4. Behold, the Lord cometh out of his place, to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood, and shall no more cover her slain. Um, That's kind of an interesting passage because uh, it's resurrection in verse 19, but it's also lockdown, verse 20. And of course, uh, it's my belief this is talking about the great tribulation and then the resurrection that immediately falls afterwards. But there's one other one other computer uh, robot article I'd like to read. It comes out of the uh, news.trust.org today, and it's about churches cannot afford to pay their bills anymore. So take a listen. Empty pews, empty collection baskets. Coronavirus hits U.S. church finances by Reuters Saturday, 11 April 2020, 10 o'clock GMT by Michelle Conlon. New York. April 11, Reuters, St. Anselm Roman Catholic Church in New York's Brooklyn Borough is used to limping along, month after month, at a budget deficit of several thousand dollars a week. But the church that sits in the city that is the epicenter of the U.S. coronavirus pandemic could always count on Easter, 
Last year, its Easter pew collection brought in $11,651, that was more than twice an average Sunday, and, coupled with the church's online Easter donations of $2,500, enough to cover its weekly operating expenses of $13,000, according to church records. Like most churches around the United States, St. Anselm's will be closed on Sunday, its members unable to gather and its priests unable to meet with them as the nation endures its worst public health crisis in a century. But just as American churches have been unable to meet their members' spiritual needs, perhaps most painfully represented in the absence of public funerals for the thousands who have died, they also have faced their own unmet needs in the form of untouched collection baskets. Even before health guidance shuttered most U.S. churches, many were struggling financially. Just half of Americans reported belonging to a church, synagogue or mosque in 2018, according to Gallup polling, down from 70% two decades earlier. This is the first time where we have this almost national shutdown of churches, said John Berardino, president of Fredericksburg, Virginia-based Griffin Capital Funding, which specializes in church real estate loans. He said he believed the extended shutdowns would take a heavy financial toll on about half of U.S. churches. Scott McConnell, executive director of Nashville, Tennessee-based Lifeway Research, which conducts surveys and research for Christian ministries, sounded a similar note. It would not surprise me at all if 5% of churches close over the next year, McConnell said. That is five times the typical annual closure rate estimated by the Christian Century, a U.S. mainline Protestant magazine. Most American churches do not have sizable endowments. According to Lifeway, 26% of churches have seven weeks or less of operating income an additional quarter only have enough to last 8 to 15 weeks. Churches at the end of their life cycle are going to be at the brink during the coronavirus crisis, said McConnell. The pain of the closures is not just fiscal. After announcing the sweeping list of cancellations, Bishop Charles Blake of the Church of God in Christ, the largest U.S. Pentecostal denomination, expressed regret at their necessity. While the fellowship with one another is priceless, your safety is most important to us, Blake said, adding, stay at home. Three years ago, the Mount Calvary Pentecostal Church in Youngstown, Ohio, which had been a pillar of its community since its founding in 1918, the year of the Spanish flu, faced the perfect storm, said the church's bankruptcy attorney, Andrew Suher. Shrinking population, shrinking congregation and shrinking donations, Suher said. The church filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection and began to work with its major lender, the Christian Community Credit Union, to reorganize. In 2018, the church emerged successfully from bankruptcy with a new solvency plan, which was on the way to putting the church's balance sheet back in order until COVID-19 emerged. They had worked so hard and done such a good job, said the church's legal counsel, Matthew Blair. Now, with COVID-19, there is no church attendance, revenue is non-existent. Well, there we go. Did you hear all that? So what's your thought about all that? Well, I think there's just a lot of hypocrisy out there right now. On the government, I think um, it, it's it's kind of ironic, like how they can keep all these abortion clinics open, uh-huh. but but at the same time, um, you know, they consider that essential. But um, going to church, they don't see that as, as an essential part of you know people's heritage. And well, how about you know, uh, community? Can... Community community has always been a, a part of. Um, the church and it's essential and i think uh i think they're doing it on purpose they really do yeah i think um i think we're all being led astray i, I really do um our all our rights are being taken away right now so well i think there's going to be some lawsuits against these guys uh but you know the problem with politicians is they always seem to skate out of it they don't do any jail time for their stupidity oh no they won't 
Well, I just I just think the longer this goes on, the more people are going to start to revolt. I really do. I mean, it's, I mean, I think they're going to. How can you not? I think, I think people are going to end up tarring and feathering that Dr. Fauci, and that's always. <laughs> I think he's <laughs> he's the guy that people are going to turn, I, turn I, against. I was, <laughs> I was thinking yesterday that that Trump should give him back to the Wizard of Oz. You know, I. I think the woman is great. You know, Going back that, in the movie, that Doctor huh? Burks, that Doctor Burks seems to be really compassionate, but I think Fossey's going to take a fall. You know, they're going to yeah. go after him. Well, yeah, okay, so. uh, that's where we'll stop today. I'm going to thanks Jeff. Appreciate your time tonight. Uh, happy Easter to you. You've been listening to Rewind. This is a podcast where old guys can pass on what they know. We're praying for the next generation. Mm-hmm.